Alrighty, guys, thank you for that. And it's time now to move into our top story this morning. Of course, Yellow's bankruptcy has been in our headlines for now just about a month and a half. They're starting to see some impacts, especially in the employment space. Rachel Premack is here to talk to us a little bit about what's going on with 22,000 union drivers who now have lost their jobs. A total of about 30,000 employees altogether with the bankruptcy, but specifically focusing on those union drivers. We're all asking the question, what's next for them? And Rachel, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Um, I mean, what's next for them? A lot of the ones who I have spoken with actually have told me that they have found other jobs, but they're largely not in the union sector. And it's interesting because a few different labor uh, professors and experts who I spoke to, they actually talked about, oh, well, perhaps Teamsters, you know, was okay what was okay with losing uh, Yellow as a unionized, uh, you know, member. Because they were looking to, you know, grow their union membership in other um, long-haul trucking spaces. However, you know, kind of kind of looking at the current situation, we haven't seen a lot of those other unionized trucking companies, you know, namely ABF and T-Force, hire a lot of the yellow employees. So it's it's uh, certainly a time where uh, we aren't seeing those sort of yellow employees find similar union jobs, but they are able to find other trucking jobs and they feel comfortable with, uh, you know, taking those that work. And Rachel, there's been some time that has passed still very fresh for a lot of folks that were impacted by it. But as we start to look back at the incidents and what happened, do you see any areas where this could have been prevented or really inflection points where this really took a turn? I think the one uh, inflection point that folks keep pointing to, and this is, you know, way in the past, but really uh, Yellow's big mistake, it seems like, was taking on this hundreds of millions, you know, billion plus dollars in debt to acquire consolidated freight all the way back in the early 2000s. Um, It seems like that was really the big issue was the acquisition of consolidated freight, roadway, and a few other, um, you know, medium, small acquisitions uh, in the early 2000s. You know, in general, uh, their aim was to build up more market share by uh, getting into these acquisitions, but they didn't quite have a plan on how to integrate all of these networks or figure out what to do with all of these networks. Unfortunately, the time that they took on this debt coincided with the great financial crisis in 2008, which was, you know, even more brutal to the freight industry. They managed to stave off bankruptcy then through, uh, you know, new agreements with the lenders, as well as uh, concessions from Teamsters. But just over the following, you know, 10 to 12 years, we kept seeing Yellow kind of go back to Teamsters, go back to lenders, even go to the federal government and say, hey, can you guys help us out? We're about to go bankrupt. We're really struggling here. What should we do to stave off, um, you know, this collapse? And this time in 2023, for seemingly the first time, Teamsters said, no, we're not going to, you know, pull out all the stops to keep you guys afloat. So there's been a lot of chatter on if the Teamsters kind of used yellow as I would almost call it like a sacrificial lamb, right? Obviously, we know that this summer was yeah. a very a very difficult situation for the Teamsters Union, specifically on two fronts, UPS and Yellow. And one made it out, one didn't. And so a lot of us are now kind of sitting here wondering, okay, does this send a message to the other companies that are involved with the Teamsters in a union perspective 
But does it simultaneously send a message to their union membership saying, hey, okay, we are here for you. We're here for you as a union and as an individual, but we can't necessarily guarantee that we will be your safety net if your company ends up making the wrong moves. Does this maybe put the Teamsters union on kind of a tight rope to walk with some of its membership who maybe might have lost faith in seeing that they are supportive of their membership because they let yellow now fall? Yeah, definitely the big question is how do how do unions work when the company is really financially struggling? When we looked at ABF and T-Force, they had really successful Teamsters negotiations uh, sessions, you know, this summer. We didn't see we didn't see either of those companies really in the headlines or, you know, on the brink of bankruptcy. They managed to Teamsters managed to secure, you know, good good contracts for ABF and T-Force employees, which is also a unionized both are unionized LTL carriers. So clearly the union model can work for LTL. But um, yeah, kind of looking more broadly at the at your question, it's definitely an interesting issue that I don't think we've really come to a conclusion to is, is it better to have a union job if it's not as good as the other union jobs or should the company just simply cease to exist? Um, and it, there, there was a union lawyer I spoke to a few months ago for when I first started covering the sort of yellow story. And his point was, you know, if you're a trucking company, it would probably you know save you money to not have seatbelts or not have uh, brake pads. You know, that's certainly something that would help save money. But we all recognize that that would be terrible for safety and terrible for the workforce and terrible for other motorists on the road. His point was, at the same, in the same way that trucking companies should budget for fuel going up or budget for you know equipment spend going up, they should also budget for labor costs going up. They should budget for ensuring that their workforce can have you know healthy, safe, humane sort of uh, lives. So coming from that perspective, if the baseline is you know we don't just want a union company at any cost, we want a union company that is, you know, provides a flourishing type of uh, work life for members, then it does make sense for Yellow to shut down. Um, but yeah, it really just do- go- does go back to that question is of would you rather not have it? Would you rather have half a paycheck or would you rather have no paycheck? And that's, I don't think we really have gotten to the bottom of that, and I don't think we ever really will. That subjective risk analysis is very difficult to do. (laughs) It's not easy to quantify, right? (laughs) Not at all. No, no. have a way. (laughs) And Rachel, looking at what's going on from the perspective of carriers or the businesses, of course, a lot of eyes were on this, and we heard early talks of possible unification over at Warner. And are you going to expect that companies going to be a lot more cognizant and keep their finger on the pulse of any kind of talks to really kind of make sure they can steer conversations? Yeah, it's interesting because, um, you know, Bruce Chan at Stiefel, who I spoke to for the story, he made the point that, um, you know, we're in a freight trough right now, but freight workers are asking for better pay, better benefits, even as the freight economy is not booming. That's definitely kind of an interesting, you know, overlap of events. The other interesting thing, you know, speaking about the Warner unionization effort in particular, it was about, you know, 
two dozen employees over at a subsidiary in New Jersey. And yet it was still significant enough for Warner CEO Derek Leathers to make the company's you know, anti-union pitch in person at those New Jersey facilities before the vote. So you could say on one hand, oh, well, you know, it's just a few, do- it's just, you know, two dozen employees out of you know, Warner's workforce of 13,000, 14,000 employees doesn't really make a dent. But it is something clearly that trucking executives are taking seriously and are, I imagine they're they're scanning that horizon as Americans in general become more pro-union and more interested in um, organized labor. Definitely an interesting era, it seems, that we're entering for unions right now, especially within the freight world. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us and shedding some light on this developing situation. If people want to reach out to you, how can they do that? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at RRPRE. Um, You can search my name on LinkedIn, and you can read all of our uh, editorial work over at FreightWaves.com. Awesome, Rachel. Thanks so much. Thank you. Right now, we're going to head over to Kaylee Nix, who has our first look at today's top stories.